I feel like I'm just getting started as a woman who is in her 40s and is really just starting to hit her stride. There's a lot of internal struggles about, you know, what am I doing with my career? I'm creating my own career as I go. There's no limit to what I can do, but I, I feel like there's so much more for me. You're listening to the Start Right Now podcast. I'm your host, Chloe McKenzie, and I'm glad you're here for the epic conversations that will take you from aspiring to actualizing your dreams. Let's get started right now. I am really excited today to introduce you to somebody who is a new connection of mine. She is going to give you a picture of her journey, somebody who cannot be put into a box. She's probably a little bit of a rebel. You'll hear more about why as she tells her story. Lindsay is somebody who's made her transition from the corporate world and the leap full-time into entrepreneurship. Uh, She's made her own rules. She's headstrong, quirky, and now she has a photography business. She is passionate about showing uh, and really sharing social justice issues through her photography, in particular uh, on women's issues and women's rights. And uh, she's going to tell us all about her journey and a couple of projects that she's working on today. But welcome to the show, Miss Lindsay Doyle. Thank you, Chloe. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. I've connected this year with a ton of uh, really ambitious, creative moms who have these insane businesses. So it's really a pleasure for me to talk to you today because I know there's a lot of people that can relate to having to balance uh, mom life and the kids and the family with all of the things that you want to pursue and and go after professionally. So today we're going to dig into it and we're going to start with the rapid fire questions. Are you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. All right. First question. What projects are you working on right now? The project I'm working on right now is called Strong and Free. And I've just released a book about uh, Canadian women in the sports world. So I just launched it. And that's been my baby for the past couple of years and um, will continue to be my baby for the next little bit. Love it. We're going to talk more about that today for sure. Three words to describe your creative process. Oh, wow. Um, I am quirky. I know that. I'm honest. And I'm kind of a no-nonsense kind of girl. I just kind of get get right to the point. and, And that comes across in my artwork, I think. What is your superpower, if you had to say? My superpower is probably relationship building. I take that very seriously. And I'm an East Coast girl, and that's something that's kind of born into us. And um, I work really hard at, at creating and maintaining my relationships. Words that you live by. Oh, my goodness. I, I've always liked that quote, and I think it's um, by Ford, that a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. And I always keep that in mind when, when it comes to when someone asks me for advice or how I did something or what my creative process is. It doesn't dim my light at all. And I think, um, you know, a room is better with a whole bunch of bright lights in it. I've never heard that, but I like that a lot. That's a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And tell me something that you can't live without. Oh, probably yoga pants and coffee, just like a lot of moms out there. (laughs) That's the standard. I'm in my pajamas right now. So I'm right there with you, right there with you. (laughs) So I know your path has not been traditional in the least. Mm -hmm. I I was saying you describe yourself as stubborn and determined and resilient, and you could never fit into a traditional box. So how did you get here to having a thriving, successful photography business that you um, now do full time to somebody who 
you know, had their own challenges trying to figure out what to do in school. And how did we get here? It's a really interesting path. It's it's a very convoluted path. Um, I'm the first one to say I took the long way around to get to where I am today. I never really had that when I was younger, that really clear vision of what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be or where I wanted to go. I didn't know anything. And I always felt like I never really quite fit in. You know, I watched my friends know exactly what they wanted to do. And they went to university and they did it and they went into the workforce. I never really had that. And I had, you know, all the opportunities that everyone else did to go to school and and find my path. But I just didn't know myself well enough, I think, at the time to choose something and stick with it. I was kind of, you know, um, a bit of a wandering soul at the time when I was younger. So I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. So that's that's in my blood as well. I grew up in a construction family and I watched my parents work very hard from a young age. I watched, you know, the ups and downs that come, come with owning your own business. And so I think I always in, you know, subconsciously was attracted to that style of work, but I was also very creative and I was very artistic and I was also sporty. So I had these three parts of me that they don't always mesh super well together. So I didn't know what path I was going to take. So I ended up doing what a lot of people do or did at the time as I went to university. No clue what I wanted to do. Um, My whole first year was really wasted. I don't like to use the word wasted because um, I do feel like, you know, everything is a stepping stone to where you get to. But I really didn't accomplish very much in that first year. So I ended up leaving. I went back the next year, tried again. Um, I was on academic probation. I was not excelling at anything. I've, I've never been a strong classroom learner. I don't write tests well. Um, I work better, you know, hands-on and learning on my own. But at the time, everybody went to university. That's that's what they did. And they got an arts degree or a science degree. So I felt like I had to do that. And I struggled. I really struggled. And I ended up trying the university thing three completely separate times. And eventually, you know, my parents gave me the, okay, we don't, we don't really care what you do, but could you please do something? Um, okay. Drive you there. We'll drop you off wherever you want to go. We'll help you. But could you please finish something, anything? You know, they were begging me. And so I ended up um, going to community college uh, locally here in Nova Scotia. And I got a two-year diploma in land use planning. I don't know why. Um, at the time, it seemed like something interesting to do. When I arrived there, I made some good friends and ended up sticking it out for two years. So I did end up getting a diploma in something. And I went into the workforce right away. I really wasn't ready to settle down at that point. So I was kind of like traveling, thinking about settling down, you know, try, just trying to find my way. And I ended up in Jasper, Alberta for a while. I ended up in Yellowknife, Northwest Territories for a while, where I actually did get a job in my field, which was my first real, you know, work experience. And I stayed there for a year and I ended up being offered a job back here in Halifax along the way. And, you know, that's what we do when you're from the East Coast. You, you go away for a bit and then you come home. So I came home, was offered a great government job, um, and I stayed there for eight years, I think. And I think it was around the time my first son was born in 2007. Um, I had been doing some photography on the side um, up until then, just just kind of for fun. You know, I'd do, um, you know, a family or I was doing some weddings on the side too, but not thinking too much of it. And then when he came along and I started to recognize that difficulty now that I was starting to have with 
balancing a career, my first child, and a side hobby that I really, really was starting to love. That's when I started to have these thoughts about, is this really what I want to do? What do I want to do? Do I want to keep doing all of these things and juggling them all, not doing anything super well? Um, or do I want to start thinking about narrowing it down? But I mean, as you know, um, there's a lot of factors that come into play financially. We didn't know what to do. Um, were we going to have more children? We didn't know all these things. So I started thinking in the back of my mind, if I could do photography, work for myself, I could have more control over my schedule. I could have more control over how little or how much I worked. Maybe I could be there for my kids when they came home from school. I started to think about all those things. And it was the first time I ever in my life started thinking about my future. Well, it's funny how kids kind of change everything, change the, everything. <laughs> everything, especially the way you go about as a mother, as a woman, thinking about what does life look like for me? What does success, what does achieving the best of what I could achieve look like right. in this new set of situations, right? Exactly. And the first year, I mean, the first year of ha of being a mother had all the, the regular challenges. And then the time started coming when I had to make a decision about going back to work. And that's when it kind of started to kick in. How am I going to handle this? What am I going to do? Can I handle this? Can my husband and I both keep working downtown having, you know, children in daycare on the other side of town near our house, how is this all going to work? So we did try that for a while. We, we both continued to work. Um, we were, we were struggling a bit. We didn't know how to fix it or to change it, but we both knew that it wasn't working for us. We weren't very happy. We weren't eating well. We weren't sleeping, obviously. We just nothing felt right about that situation. So we started noticing that my my photography work was picking up a little bit. Um, I was getting more work. I was busy. And we started to really consider, could we make this side gig that I was doing, could we make that a full-time thing? And of course, I was all in. I'm like, yes, absolutely. I want to do this. Like, I want to quit everything and just be an artist for the rest of my life because that suited my personality. <laughs> And um, but my husband is way more practical than I am, and he's like, no, 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 let's let's take this slow. Let's let's think about money here, and let's think about mortgage payments and car payments and daycare payments. I mean, our oh, daycare yeah. payments are super high, and um, we needed me um, working in the office to be able to pay for everything. So what we did was we we kind of came up with this sort of longer term plan. Um, we ended up having another son, and by the time my oldest started public school and our daycare bill was cut in half, that's when we said that that would be our deadline. And that's that's basically how it happened. He started school in September that year and I put my notice in at my job and I walked away and I do not have one regret about that at all. But there's also a lot of pressure that comes with that. So then, then I didn't have a safety net anymore. So then I had to start thinking, okay, let's take this seriously now. What I find really interesting about your story is, especially as it relates to the, to the creative pursuit, sometimes people feel like the love of something needs to come first before you're committing to kind of go all in on it. But it sounds like you really developed the love of photography the more that you started to hone your craft and the more that you started to see it as a really viable option for a balanced 
future for you and your family. Absolutely. And one of the tricky things about being an artist is, you know, the whole right brain, left brain thing. And a lot of artists um, have trouble running it as a business. And a lot of business people in turn have a little bit of struggle with the creative side of things. And I'm quite lucky that I think I hadn't always had an interest in both of those things. And it's probably because of my upbringing. You know, I saw the struggles of being an entrepreneur and I, I kind of knew in a way what to expect. And I was really attracted to that because I have always loved the idea of um, setting your own goals, meeting your own goals, or or having the you know unlimited potential to to be in full control of, um, like I said, how much you work, how little you work, and how much money you want to make, how little money you want to make. I liked the idea of having you know no ceiling on me, which I felt I had when I was working in the office. I felt like I in a way I felt kind of stuck there, like there was I was never going to go as far as I felt I could go. And by working for myself, I felt like I got rid of all of those barriers. And now, you know, the sky sky was the limit. And I, I really did have that, a little bit of that business sense already from doing it on the side. So I knew a little bit what to expect there. And I had this creative side of me that was just like bursting to come out. So it was kind of a seamless transition for me to to put those two things together. Um, huge learning curve, obviously. And, and every every month, every year is different. But that's, um, you know, discovering that about myself that I love working that way. And I love the unpredictability of it. And that's kind of motivated me all of these years. Well, definitely, there's a certain amount of risk uh, you have to be able to tolerate as an entrepreneur. I think where people get Mm -hmm. stuck as well is when they're in a position like you were unhappy, you know, not in a place where you felt like you could do the best that you could for your family, but you've invested all of these years working at this place. And then you're thinking about moving to something else where you don't have qualifications, you don't have the years of experience to log that gives you that confidence. How did you overcome your own fears and reservations about having no qualifications, mm-hmm. stepping into something totally new um, and being able to, to really uh, step into that? That part of it has been a bit of a roller coaster. It's been up and down because I, um, especially in the beginning, I had a great deal of imposter syndrome. And I felt like I don't belong in this world. I don't belong in this industry. And that has taken me a long time. And I'm not sure that ever really goes away. I still have that because I don't have um, an art background. I don't have a degree or a diploma in anything related to art or anything related to business. And those are the two things that I I feel like I was born to do. Going back to school was never an option for me. Although I did go back and take a few continuing education courses in my 30s, um, which I loved. But, you know, how do I overcome that? And, and you know, the best thing I found is really making connections with other people within the industry, which I love to do too. I'm quite a social person, even though I'm, I'm an introverted social person. I love being home, you know, behind my screen. I have connected with so many other people in my industry and eventually you realize they all kind of feel the same way. It's one of those things like when you don't have a boss or direction or or even coworkers, you really start second guessing yourself and to have connections with other people within the industry and recognizing that they're in the exact same boat as you and they have the same feelings you do and the same struggles you do is very 
unifying and it's very um, empowering and you almost become this little community that helps lift each other up, which has been really wonderful for me. Um, you know, there's no, and the other thing with art is it's really a subjective thing. There's, there's no right or wrong in a lot of it and business as well. I mean, there's, you know, there's some norms and there's some industry standards, but there's no hard, fast rules in, in, you know, anything creative or artistic. So, I think once you learn to remove those barriers from yourself or these, you know, invisible barriers, they're, they're really not there. Once you get past that and you realize there's, there's no limits, there's no true obstacles other than yourself, it really gives you permission to fly. What did you have to do for yourself to be able to, um, knowing that you're, you're trying to wear all these different hats, you're learning different elements, the, both the creative and business side to be able to succeed. But where did you lean on others for support? What are some of the ways that you had to set yourself up to be able to, to succeed so you didn't drown in all the things you're doing in your business while also managing your family? I think one of the things that we all go through when we start a new journey is trying to learn everything yourself and trying to do everything yourself. Um, and sometimes it's because of budget reasons. You know, you don't have money to pay a web developer or um, someone to create content for you. So you do it yourself or you try to do it yourself or you just try to be everything to anyone. And that's, you know, the quickest way to burn out. And I think... I think that's where experience comes in. And I'm one of those people, once it happens to me, once um, I go, okay, I'm not going to make that mistake again. Or once I'm, you know, so exhausted, I can't even uh, get excited about leaving for my next shoot. Then I know I need to, you know, rein it in and maybe consider either outsourcing some of the work or dropping some of the things that aren't working for me. Trial and error you know, uh, failing, uh, is literally the best thing. Um, for me, I don't want to say like, I love failing, but that's how I learn is I need to experience it for myself and recognize it as an opportunity to, to pivot or redirect. Um, every time I experience rejection, which is often, it just means I took a chance on something. If I was rejected, that just means someone has redirected me in a different direction. So the more it happens, the the better you get at it and the braver you get. And it's just one of those things I think you just have to experience for yourself to know that, yes, it hurts. And let's take that hurt and redirect it toward in a different direction. And I think it's important to notice when things are not working well. I think it's important to know when and how to pivot and how fast to pivot. And this year has been a really good example example of that, of how I've seen, you know, tons of small businesses, regardless of what industry they're in, make some really great decisions, some innovative decisions, and just turn things around really quick. And I think that's a real um, mark of uh, of a great business person. Totally. And I am with you. I talk a lot of, in the same way about rejection being a muscle that you're building. Mm -hmm. You're building your own tolerance to being uncomfortable, to being able to say, okay, and, you know, let's choose a new direction or, or pivot mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you mentioned the this year has been, you know, the year of the pivot for a lot of for a lot of yep. people. And I know your your project strong and free is an incredible feat. Tell us about it. This project started by accident. And what one of the things I've discovered over the years is that it's very easy to get uh, burnt out on client work and doing, you know, the things that you feel like you should be doing, which is 
you know, your client work and this is how I put food on the table and this is my bread and butter. But you can get really tired of that really fast. So a few years ago, um, five, six years ago, I started doing some more personal projects for myself just to keep my creative spirit kind of going. So I could take a break from, um, I shoot a lot of families and, and headshots and corporate work. Um, but, you know, there's a few times during the year where I get a little bit um, like I need to look at some something different. So I would start doing these little personal projects where I'd come up with an idea and I'd be like, hey, I want to shoot. Um, the first one I did was women without makeup on. And I, you know, kind of put it out there asking women if they'd be willing to pose for a portrait without their makeup on. And and then I started talking to them and asking them why they were doing this. And, and I love that, you know, human connection of art and photography. So, you know, seeing these women come in and, and um, I called the project stripped. So basically they were stripping their faces off for me and to see their vulnerability and their, their why really triggered something in me to, to do more projects that were focused on women. So since then, I had done a couple other smaller ones. But what happened, um, it's almost three years ago now, I was watching the Olympics on TV. And I love Olympic sports, because they're not mainstream sports, typically, that you don't get to see very much of. And they typically show a nice fair amount of male and female sports. And I remember thinking, this is great. Like, I love watching women competing on TV. And uh, like this little light bulb went off in my head that was like, why don't we see women competing on TV? So I did some research and sure enough, yes, that's true. We, we're like single digits for representation on in mainstream television in the sports world. So I said, well, that's not fair. You know, I have, um, I've always been involved in sports um, as an athlete, as a coach, and now as a parent to two sons who are um, in competitive sports. So I have a lot of connections in my, my local sports community. And I know some women who are doing some pretty awesome stuff out there. So I said, well, that's not fair. I think these women deserve more recognition than what they're getting. So I reached out and I asked a few of them if they would let me shoot them doing their sport. And they said yes. And so originally I was thinking maybe I would have 10 women or so, maybe 10 different sports, showing them performing, but also asking them questions about why they continue to participate in sport as an adult. Because as an adult, nobody's making you do it. You know, your mom's not dropping you off at the rink anymore. She's not paying for you anymore. You're paying out of your own pocket. You're paying with your own time. And as you know, as a mother, time is, um, you don't really have a lot of it. So these women, what is what is motivating them to go out on a Saturday or Sunday when they could, you know, be home in their yoga pants? Um, why are they going out and running for five hours? Why are they playing on a hockey team? Why are they traveling and, and competing um, on their own dime and, and their own time? So I started photographing them and talking to more of them. And I just kept getting more and more messages. And I don't mean just like a handful. I mean like a lot of messages from all across the country, even some from the States saying, this is cool. I want to be a part of it. And, you know, within that first week, I was like, okay, there's something, there's something here that I need to kind of latch on to and see what I can come up with. So I just started shooting them. I would just go out, um, try to plan it around my own work, my own family life and try to you know, connect with them and say, I can meet you at the field at 10 o'clock on this night or 5am in a gym on a Tuesday morning. And I was busting my butt going and meeting them on their schedule. Because that's, you know, I know how hard it is to 
you know, to get there. So obviously I was going to go out of my way to meet them more than halfway. So I started, I started photographing them. And eventually, I mean, my library just built up to the point where I was like, I think this is more than just a little online photo essay. I think I see this as a book because this book doesn't exist. And then you went about self-publishing a book. Why not? Why not throw another thing you've never done in the mix, right? Right. I tried, I tried, I pitched to many publishers and I, uh, getting back to the rejection thing over and over and over again, it's too unique. It doesn't exist. We have nothing to compare it to. Not willing to take a chance on it. Hashtag surprise, not surprised. I thought it would be awesome for someone to pick it up and run with it because it is so unique. It shouldn't be unique. So I said, you know what? I got to make a decision. This thing needs to come to life. So I decided in January of this year that I would just kind of grab the reins and go the self-publishing route. I contacted a publishing consultant in February, right at the end of February. And I hired them to help me with a lot of parts of the book, the graphic design and the layout and things like that. And I signed that paper the week before COVID shut us down. I mean, every emotion you can possibly go through. Um, I I didn't think it was going to get made. I would just, you know, I in my head, I was like, there's two full years of work for me down the drain. I didn't think it was going to get made. And then, you know, they contact bank, contacted me eventually and said, yeah, we're still working. Let's do this. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so um, it was nice to have that you know, on my plate running in the background because I wasn't able to do client work for, I can't remember if it was six months or eight months, but because I had to, the kids were home too. I was homeschooling, not, not my strength. Um, but it was nice to have this project to look forward to this year because it's been such a, such an awful year in so many ways. It's interesting to me that you were able to marry this creative pursuit with sports. I think a lot of people that have a passion for sport growing up as an athlete, maybe you're, especially if you're an academic person, maybe you're directed right away to like, go study kinesiology or go do something academic related to that passion mm-hmm. um, yeah. versus thinking about what's the skill or talent that I have that I could marry with this passion in a different way. And I love that you're able to do that. Plus add your own mission of what calls you to, mm-hmm. to really, you know, raise a stink about women's issues, right? Exactly. And these are not, these are not controversial issues. Nothing I do is, is controversial. It's just literally saying, Hey, here we are we're doing awesome things, pay attention to us. And if you're not going to publish our picture in the paper or, or write up about what we did, um, I'm going to do that myself. Do you feel like this is going to lead you down chapter two of the next phase of your career? Because I love as well that you you mentioned you feel like you had a late start. You're striving, striding now in your 40s and uh, you know where other people might be like, oh, well, you're 40, but you're like, I'm still, I'm just getting started, right? It's funny. And it's, it goes, you know, with a lot of things that society, you know, kind of pushes on us that when you're in your 40s, you should be starting to look towards your retirement. And for me, I feel like I'm just getting started. So it's, you know, there's a lot of internal struggles about, um, you know, what am I doing with my career? I, I'm creating my own career as I go. Um, there's no rules. I know there's no rules and, and there's no limit to what I can do. But I, I like the fact that I can almost present myself as a woman who is in her 40s and is really just starting to hit her stride. And I feel like there's so much more 
for me than what I've done so far. I feel like this is all just kind of the warm up and not that I have any clue what's going to happen next, but I, I'd like to feel like I've got the motivation and the confidence now to move forward in whatever direction I want. What would you say to somebody who's in a similar situation that you were? They're not fresh out of school, but they've got real things to consider and weigh in the balance of trying to do the work that fulfills them. Um, What advice would you give them to be able to make a transition that works for them? It doesn't put their, you know, family in a, in a challenging position, but really does direct them towards the mission work for their life. You know, what I always say is to be patient. And I know that sounds, you know, kind of cliche, but good things do come to those who wait. And I think you need to um, slow down do things right. And and I know typically, and I don't want to generalize, you know, people in my industry or, or creative people, but we tend to be a little bit on the spontaneous side and we, we, you know, move around a lot, which is, which is why a, a lot of them are successful. But when you've got a family at home and real, you know, the need to really make the right decisions for them. You do need to slow down and recognize that, you know, it does take time and and your family does come first and you need to make smart financial decisions and you don't want to put anyone else in jeopardy because you have a great idea or because you feel so strongly about where you're supposed to go. And I, I, I'm only speaking for myself, but, uh, you know, slowing down and doing things right for them really has paid off in the long run, even though at the time I was so anxious to move faster and to um, take more chances and get myself out there more. um, I never wanted to feel like I was resentful towards my children that they were keeping me home because for a long time I was just doing it part-time or part-time hours and I was working at night and I was working early in the morning around their schedule. So they always came first. And now that they're getting a little older, you know, some things get a little bit easier. They still need me. But, you know, I can, when they come home from school and I have a phone call, they know, you know, to just not not knock on mommy's door for a little while. So um, they always come first. And that's that's the beauty of, of working for yourself. But yeah, just be patient. It all happens when it's supposed to. Easier said than done for a lot of people, but I'm with you. I'm with you. (laughs) Now, where can people check out your work? Where can we get uh, our hands on a copy of Strong and Free? During the times of COVID, things get a little bit more difficult. So if you're not local to me in Halifax, you can get them directly from me if you are able to be local. If not, they're available online and the link is in my Instagram bio and it's in my Facebook bio, um, Lindsay Doyle Photography on Facebook or at L Doyle Photo on Instagram. Wonderful. And Lindsay is part of our 12 days of giveaways. So one lucky listener is actually going to get a copy of Strong and Free for the holidays. Make sure you check out my Instagram page to get all the details. Well, Lindsay, this was an absolute pleasure. As we said, being a mom is a whole other story when it comes to the the pursuit of this stuff. And I think you really gave people a, a practical but also really open way to think about how do I make it happen? How do I do the things that I really feel called to do? So thank you for being here with us today. Thanks, Chloe. Are you loving these conversations? Let me know, leave me a review and don't forget to subscribe so you always stay on top of new episodes.